landscape photography world, a podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This podcast is sponsored by Syncback Pro, the professional photographer's tool to keep your images safe. How safe are your photographs? Or to put it this way, how would you feel if you permanently lost some or even all of them? The fact is, there are very real risks in storing your digital images on a hard drive, even if they're backed up to an external device. There's ransomware, hardware failure, file corruption, virus infection, and even accidental deletion or destruction. Syncback Pro makes this problem go away, permanently. Syncback Pro is the professional photographer's tool to back up photographs, images, documents, and data files. Once set up, it keeps your files safe, quietly, and reliably in the background. So if problems occur or disaster strikes, you'll have nothing to worry about. Your photographs will be safe. Which is why it's also the backup solution that I use myself for my own photographs. Take advantage of an exclusive 25% discount today by going to www.backup.sg. This software will never expire, meaning your photographs are safe forever. That's www.backup.sg. Give your photographs the protection they deserve. Michael Shanebloom specialises in landscape, aerial, time-lapse and Milky Way astrophotography. He produces original video content and photography galleries, as well as photography tutorials and education. He has a decade of experience in professional photography and filmmaking, and he has always had a creative streak, from childhood comic strip doodling to the construction of Lego towers, to the iconic landscape photography and time-lapse work that he specialises in today. A dedication to challenging the boundaries of creativity as well as a flair for coming up with unique ideas has resulted in this dynamic visual artist being commissioned by large international clients including Nike, Samsung, Verizon, Disney, BMW and Google. Michael's work has also been published widely by renowned media outlets such as National Geographic, Wide Magazine, Huffington Post and The Weather Channel. He runs his own YouTube channel, which is one of the most popular landscape photography channels on that platform. We talk about how he got started with YouTube and where he's taking the channel, maybe TikTok. He's thinking on the future challenges in photography and even peanut butter on pizza. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Michael. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks so much, Grant, for uh, inviting me on your show. It's oh, going to be awesome. You, uh, Becoming, you've been on the list for a little while, and uh, it's taken a little while for me to get around to to asking. But um, <laughs> thank you for taking the time out to today to talk to me. Let's start with what is it that you're chasing in your photography? Start oh, with the easy chasing. ones first. <laughs> chasing. What am I chasing? Oh, there's so many answers to that question. Well. I guess if I was to boil down what I'm chasing in the most, like, you know, everything points to this one thing that I'm chasing and that thing would be uh, happiness. Cool. That's, that's the thing I'm chasing to put it, to put it very simply and very plainly photography and, and making art in turn makes me very, very happy. And um, as long as I'm getting that from the, photography I'm producing and, and the work I'm making. That's that's kind of the end goal for me. 
Um, now, of course, it's spawned off to a million other things, and there's sure. also a million other reasons why I shoot photography and what I'm chasing. But I would say if I was to boil it down to one thing, it, it's that. Yeah, uh, I think that's a fantastic answer too. It's, uh, I mean, that, that's what motivates everyone, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to have fun, right? You want to have fun doing doing something, but um, yeah, and especially for me, it was just like uh, it was definitely my biggest outlet for self expression and mm -hmm. and um, kind of, I guess, like in a sense, figuring out who I was as a person. Through sure. the photography and through the art, um, so yeah, it's it's been huge. It's it was the most life changing, you know, thing that's ever happened to me for sure. Fantastic. So, what's your earliest memory of photography? How did you? When when was the first time you actually had a camera in your hands, and what triggered that desire, I guess, and that drive to create your own happiness out of photography? Yeah. Let me think about that. So a long time ago, um, for me at least, well, it wasn't even that long ago. I just have a terrible memory. <laughs> I'm not that old, but uh, I just can't remember everything. You know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. But uh, uh, for photography, there, there was a few, there's a few like little memories that kind of stick out to me. I remember probably the first time I ever used a camera. Uh, it was a disposable camera that my parents gave me to use when we went to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was more, in, I don't think I've ever even told this story. I, I think I was more intrigued with the the different landscapey set pieces yep. in Disneyland. And I was trying to take disposable pictures of them with like one of those little, I think it was like a little Kodak, you know, thing that you just get developed. Yeah, sure. um, and I remember being more interested in that than the actual rides, like then going on the rides. Wow. I was okay. like, oh, look at these cool, look, look at Space Mountain, or I don't even know if you can see Space Mountain, but it was uh, the other one, the the mount, the log ride that goes down oh, or yeah, something yep. like that. Another one you mind. So that was one event that I remember. That was probably my earliest. And then um, there was a few other moments where I kind of got more invested into photography when I was younger. Um, it, I remember when I was, I think it was 12 or 13, I took like a New York trip with my class. It was like a class field trip thing that everyone, that people from our school went to. And I remember taking a one megapixel Olympus camera to New York. <laughs> I still have those pictures and oh, my wow. parents have them framed and they're about, that's about how big they yeah, be printed. They're like one inch prints because... Yeah. They're so pixelated, but I have that, that, that is a, a big memory. And then I'd, I'd say the third thing and the thing that really pushed me to love photography was uh, my first time taking a summer school class, learning how to shoot and develop a uh, 35 millimeter film. Yeah. Right. We used, I think it was uh, some old Canon, Canon 35 mil cameras mm -hmm. and the people who were helping us, um, they were showing us how we can develop in this dark, in, in a dark room. And I remember just being like, this process is amazing. It's so cool. Yep. But you know, yeah, that those, those were the three, three key memories I can, I can think of um, that really got me into it. I would say. Cool. Cool. So when yeah. did it start to coalesce as something that you wanted to have as a career and 
you know, I guess, what were you doing before photography and how did that come about that it became something that I guess took over your work life? Yeah, that's, that's also kind of an interesting one because I've never, I've never done anything else. I've only ever done photography. Um, So in high school, my first year of high school is when I became absolutely obsessed with photography. Like it, it shifted from an interest into like, this is all I do with my time. Uh, I would bring my, my little camera to school. I'd take pictures of my friends. I'd take pictures of like the texture on trash cans. If there was Mm -hmm. like a rusty trash can, I'd be like, wow, look at the, look at the colors and the texture is so (laughs) cool. Um, so I just became absolutely invested in photography and it was that same year or maybe a year after where a lot of my friends were getting jobs for the first time. You, sure. you know, people were turning, I think it's 16 when you're able to get a job here, but uh, they were getting jobs at all sorts of places like supermarkets and fast food joints. And I don't know what it was about me. I went into, I want to say like 10 to 20 interviews and no one wanted to hire me. I don't know what my, the deal was, maybe I was socially awkward. Maybe I didn't know how to pitch myself. I'm not really sure, Sure. but like I I applied everywhere and no one would take me all the supermarkets, you know, they were like, nah, not this kid. Like everyone else, you're good. Not this kid. (laughs) Um, And I got kind of lucky in the sense that a lot of people noticed that I was doing the photography thing. And I was kind of like, one of my school's photographers, you know, there was a few kids who did photography and I happened to be one of them. So I started getting these little odd jobs when I was in high school. Maybe a a band would be playing a local show and they'd pay Mm -hmm. me like 50 bucks to come in and shoot the whole show and do some promo pictures. Um, Then they would tell their band friends about my work. And uh, I was photographing skateboarders for magazines, a few very small, small, small magazines here in San Diego little events like my parents their friends would have some event and hey michael can take pictures of your event that kind of spawned into you know little uh engagement shoots and weddings and i was just kind of finding all these little things to do with photography and it became my first and only source of money and it wasn't uh, it obviously wasn't much in high school but it was enough to you know have a movie night and buy tacos and do yeah, all yeah. the things that high schoolers want to do. Yeah, that's right. The, 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 the pocket yeah. change you need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and it just over time from there, it just kept growing and kind of altering and shifting. And um, it's, it's very, very weird how it's, it's here now in, I'm in this, posi- I'm in the position I'm in and, doing the job that I'm doing that part. I don't think even when I was getting into photography, I never thought that could be uh, a realistic thing. Yeah. 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 Photography, crazy thing, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk to you a bit about the business stuff, but I'm going to shift back to, I I guess, the why uh, a little bit more and ask whether or not, you think it's important to have goals in your photography and whether you do have goals and if so, what are they and how do you, how do you formulate them and how do you, I guess, then work to execute them? I'd say having goals is, it depends on what type of person 
the photographer is, right? What type of person they are. Um, I'd say personally for me, it is good to have goals, but not to go overboard with the goals. Um, Because in the moments where I've tried to create too many goals and be dead set on those goals, I think I kind of lost my way. Like I lost the whole reason why I like it, which is a lot of the spontaneity and the sort of mystery of the creative process. Like Mm -hmm. the day where you just wander through the woods and you're wandering aimlessly and something catches your eye and that ends up being, you know, that those end up being magical moments. And I found if you're too goal oriented and you fixate too much on trying to get one thing or trying to do one thing, uh, you kind of lose sight of of that. But I I think it really depends on what type of, uh, what type of person the photographer is. I, I'm kind of like somewhere in the middle where I mm-hmm. think in order to stay disciplined because it is a career and I do have to stay focused. I, I do, I write a lot of stuff down and they're not necessarily these, you know, set goals, but I just kind of write down my thoughts on like things that maybe I need to improve um, locations that I need to explore more. Yep. Um, I do a lot of research into locations and things that I'd like to take pictures of. And um, it's funny because half the time that research goes out the window when you're out there and just having fun. <laughs> but um, I, I do find goals, goals helpful. I give myself also one of the things I found um, the most helpful just for myself is I don't know if this is, I guess it's a goal, but it created like giving myself projects like set projects in in landscape photography. Like uh, I want to create a series and the series has these attributes or Mm. the series is of this location or, you know, this storytelling element through the photography. And and I think that has helped me a lot too. Um, Having those projects and goals definitely has helped to stay out of the creative burnout, I think. Yeah, for sure. In terms of the way that you plan those projects, do you, you you said you do quite a lot of research on locations. How how much research is a lot? You know, is it uh, days, weeks, months before you get out and and go somewhere, or is it you know a few days and okay, that's enough and off we go. You know what it is. It's not as much of like a I'm doing this before a, well, no, I shouldn't say that. If I, if I am going to go on a trip, I definitely will put in specific research for that trip that I want to do. And I'd say, you know, probably a week of research, uh, especially if I need to do a commercial job and the client wants to send me somewhere that I didn't anticipate going. And then I have to do all the pre-production and create mood boards and all that, all that stuff. We don't normally do for the personal side of photography, but um, you know, what's funny about the research side, 95% of the research that I do is just me messing around. That's all yeah. it is. It's not, it's not like a, I'm going on this trip and I must do this. It's like, huh, I wonder if I was to go to like, 
Zimbabwe, what, what would I be taking pictures of? And then I start going down a rabbit hole. And then yeah. at the end of it, after the end of like five hours, I'm sitting there with like a Google map that has all these labeled photos and places mm-hmm. and, you know, pinpoints and notes about it. Um, and then the, the funny thing is I have maps of places around the world that I want to take pictures of that I've never been to and might not ever go. <laughs> They're just nope. kind of sitting there. Um, <laughs> I kind of find, I find it fun though. You know, it's sort of like a scavenger hunt a little bit. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, um, I mean, Google I, Earth and- I, I really love that part of it as well in, in terms of that. I, I think you've described it really well in terms of a scavenger hunt, that hunt for, okay, locations. Like last year I was, uh, well, actually, sorry. Yeah, last year I was uh, in the Lake District for the first time ever and it was really about, okay, well, there's a lot of places that everybody goes and everybody takes photos of. And I was on the hunt for some things that were a little bit different, you know, a waterfall that's up a little canyon that not many people go to. And so, you know, it's really around finding those little gems and those little things that are a little bit different, I think. And I, I absolutely love that experience myself. It's uh I, I just find the research part of it quite rewarding, regardless of whether or not I end up going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and that's at the and and it's so nice to find little gems that mm. are maybe a little uh, a bit less explored. Um, I think the one thing though with the research is I found it easy to talk yourself out of places. Yeah. because of the popularity. I don't know if you found that as well, where oh, yeah, you'll definitely. research a location and you see, you know, you could go on Google images and type in the location and then you see a few Google images and you you see how popular it is and you say to yourself, well, I don't know if there's much I feel like I can do here. Mm, and so yeah. you kind of think no, about it. You don't it. feel you've got um, a voice to add to it. Exactly. And that is a huge, I think that's a huge mistake that um, I've made and, and a lot of photographers make is, is being so fixated on finding something different that they end up missing something that they could have done at a place because really any of these locations, regardless of how popular they are, um, you'll find some, you can find something interesting about it that, that you want to say about the place and whether it's like a grand Vista view or a small scene within the landscape. I mean, you know, Yosemite National Park, the Milford. Okay. The Milford sound is the perfect example. That was like, I I made a big deal out of that because I remember seeing a few photos of the Milford sound. And I was like, this place is, it looks really, really, really incredible. And I want to go see it with my own eyes, but I had this preconceived idea that I wasn't going to be able to take a picture there. Like I didn't even know if I was going to pull out my camera because I just didn't feel as though I was going to add anything to the Mm -hmm. landscape or not to the landscape, but, you know, add anything photographically. Yeah. And um, it ended up being one of my absolute favorite locations I've ever been. I took like 20 or 30 images. They're in my portfolio now. Just all the, the, this big rainstorm came down, created these massive waterfalls, you know, climbing down all the cliffs. And uh, I was just taking tons of telephoto images. And those ended up being some of my favorite images I've ever taken yeah. And uh, I think that for me was like the final moment where I was never going to judge a location ever again, regardless of how popular 
Um, you know, it could be somewhere that no one's ever been before, which I'm probably never going to go anywhere that no one's ever been. Cause I'm not that, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a photographer, not a, not, not a mountaineer, Fair enough. <laughs> but, but regardless of if it's like the most popular fo- photo location in the world or a place that, you know, most people don't go, I'm going to treat it all the same. Yeah. I'm going to go there and just enjoy the experience and hopefully find something that catches my eye. And more often than not, when I don't put that pressure of like, oh, this place has been photographed a million times, that's when I come away with something I'm really happy with. Yeah, I think that's that's an important lesson that uh, a lot of people, as you say, it's a mistake a lot of people make in terms of looking at something and saying, ah, it's been done. I'm not going to not going to add anything. But uh, yeah, I, that's. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. Oh, no, go for it. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have much to have. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about where you, you talked a bit about how you got into photography and, you know, started working uh, and the commercial side of it, which, you know, kind of you, you have a client usually and the client usually wants something out of you and, yeah, okay, you can put your own artistic bent on it, but for your own personal photography, where did that artistic side of things start to click in for you and how did that coalesce as a, a, a stream of thinking about photography in an art, as an art form as opposed to photography as a job? Um, well, the personal side of it definitely came first for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that I've always prioritized that side of it because, um, even though I, I knew pretty early on doing photo jobs that I wanted to make a career out of it, I was always still taking pictures for myself. Um, and, and it, it goes way back when to middle school and, and high school for me. Um, so I've always treated it as an art. And I think for me, um, as far as like my photographic style and artistic style, it's really morphed and shifted and changed very subtly and gradually over the years. I'm not yeah. someone who had like a revelation and then all of a sudden the art changes or, or anything like that. I, I can think of a few moments where I like found techniques that I really started implementing yeah. uh, and subject matter. I really started, you know, that I, I really enjoyed photographing, but uh, it's, it's been a subtle long. It's been a long, subtle road for me. Like I see some photographers pick up a camera and a year later, they're like incredible like, oh my gosh, wow, how did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, for me, it took, I, uh, I don't know how many, how long I've been photographing now, like 16 or 18 years, something like that. But it's yep. it's just a subtle, subtle climb, I feel like. Um, yeah. But I don't know if, hopefully I'm creating images that are better than what I've done a few years ago, but um, it's, it's, it's been just gradual. Yeah, I get I get a bit jealous when I see some of those uh, 16, 17, 18 year old photographers that are just absolutely phenomenal, and I I wish I had that. They're amazing. When I, I was that yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I look back at the photographs I took back. Then, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the I can't same. Imagine creating. Uh, nobody, nobody on social media is ever going to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy thing, I guess. Um, 
to that point, there are more resources now, which is hugely Absolutely. helpful. I mean, and the technology is there. I mean, when I was starting, it was all film. There was no digital. It just didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, you had to be quite selective in what you took, but also you normally had to wait a week to actually see the result because you had to send them off Absolutely. to get developed unless you had your own darkroom, which at the time I certainly couldn't afford. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. I wish I could have uh, got more invested in the darkroom process back then, but it's like after the summer school program, it was kind of like, well, <laughs> I guess that's over. I don't know where, I don't know how else I, I'm going to be able to, you know, do that part. Oh. But um, no, yeah, the resources have gotten so much. I mean, it's crazy what cameras can do now. And mm. it's crazy how if you want to find anything out, I mean, a quick Google search or searching on YouTube or yeah. it's pretty amazing. The, the resources that are available. Absolutely. You, YouTube cool. university, I call it. You, you can pretty much learn anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even um, outside of photography, it's like, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do most things, you know, and <laughs> Google it. Like, how do I put, what do I need to do to put this, you know, this thing together in my house? And then of course there's like a million YouTube videos on how to do it. Like, wow. Yeah. How crazy is this? <laughs> you talked a little bit about the development of your style and how it's still evolving. Do you see do you see a correlation between the goals that you're setting and the way that you want your photography and your style to develop? Or do you not really think about it in those terms? I don't think I can. I think um, I'm sure there are people who can contextualize it like that mm -hmm. uh, i don't think i'm somebody who can um yeah it's the style just it does what it wants fair enough <laughs> if that makes any sense it's like yeah no it, you know, it makes total sense it's it's uh it, it that's a very familiar feeling for me is okay well uh, i want to I, I might see something that i want to go and chase and try and work out okay mm -hmm. how to do it but a lot of the time it's as you say the, the style does what it wants and that, that's how it yeah it, i guess it depends on like when, when you think of style and um whether it's photo you know the style of of how you're photographing something or or the post-processing you choose it kind of comes down to it sort of says a lot about you as a person right it, it mm. comes from your creative style and like for me um a lot of my favorite images are are the ones that they're you know they're images of of different objects and subjects but those subjects could be perceived as something completely different like creating yeah. little fantasy worlds out of the photographs and mm -hmm. i think it just comes from like you know and probably in high school or in middle school i just sit there daydreaming and doodling little stories in, in my notebook instead of paying attention. And I think that that kind of correlates to some of the images that I take. And, um, but then people will tell me, Oh, your style of doing that. And it's like, it is kind of a style that I guess I've found, but it's, mm -hmm. it's just something that's always been in my head that I just yeah. kind of use when I'm taking photos, like, you know, that rock looks like a cool rock, but you know what it looks more like? 
a dragon, you know, stuff, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I, and I think that if, if there was anyone listening who hasn't quite found their style in photography, that is the, the worst thing to try and force. Absolutely. Um, it, it just happens naturally. You just keep taking pictures and you kind of just find what interests you and, and the stories that you want to tell and that style kind of, it builds itself and that's how you create such a unique style is by just being yourself and totally. sharing the world the way that you want to share it, you know? Yeah, totally, totally agree. How do you find, how do you define success in your photography? Less so the business side, more the personal side. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how do I define success? Well, um, Certainly I have to be proud of the images that I'm taking. Hmm. I have to be proud of what I'm producing. It does not have to be the best image I've ever taken because I've found that's very hard to do. A lot of my favorite images were taken years ago. And I don't know if, you know, I have favorite images from like 2013 and 14 and 15. So it's really hard to, you know, keep creating the best image you've ever taken. So I don't really define that as success. It's more like just being happy and proud with the work that you're creating. But that being said, I've been thinking about this a lot. It's as artists, it is hard. Um, it's sometimes uh, a bit hard to, you know, always feel satisfied with what you're producing too. Like oftentimes I sit there and I look at some of the images I'm taking and I feel kind of not great about them or I yeah, feel like, wow, gonna, yeah, I could do better. <laughs> yeah. Or you feel like, Oh, I'm a terrible photographer. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I, I know that, and, and for, you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will resonate with this. It's like, it's hard to always feel good about the work that you're producing. And a lot of the times you might feel like you're not a good photographer. Yeah. The truth is you absolutely are, are a good photographer. You're not an awful photographer, but I think that we're our own worst critics. Definitely. And photography is also so subjective that there's no right or wrong way to do it. And there's no, there's no like instruction manual of how to really take a good picture, even though, you know, a lot of tutorials will say that this is the instruction it's there's, there is none, right. No, it's, it's like you can follow the rules to the T and still not get a result that you're pleased with or that you're um, proud of. So that's a battle. And I know this is a bit of a tangent, but that's a bit, that's a battle that I've, I've gone through over the years. And I've been trying to use that feeling as, as kind of like motivation to keep working on my art, you know, regardless. But um, I would say those moments where I do feel really satisfied and proud of my work are, are, I would call that success. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would say the other thing with it beyond just me being happy with my own work is uh, and this is another thing that some photographers say, which I'm, I, I envy these people. They're like, I don't care what anyone else thinks about my work. As long <laughs> as I like my work, as long as it's, it's all me. It, and it's like, I, I get it. I, I'm not that person though. I, I do really enjoy sharing my work with others. And, yeah. um, it does make me really happy when other people appreciate my work and enjoy it. And, Absolutely. and um, so I'd also define that as success too. Like if I can take images that I'm proud of and I'm happy with 
and also in turn make somebody else happy by seeing my image or, or you know, evoke some sort of emotion in the viewer, I'd probably define that as success. That's, yeah, yeah. that'd be the answer there. I've, I've had this conversation, that very conversation a bit with, with a number of people around, oh yeah, well, I take images to, to make me happy. And that's, that's great because mm -hmm. that, that is a motivation. I'm not dissing that, but I think the fact that you're taking them and sharing them shows that you actually not necessarily want validation from other people, but which is nice to get, <laughs> but you're actually trying to express something to somebody else. You're trying to communicate, you know, whether it's a story Absolutely. that's within your, your image or whether it's just, hey, look where I've come from. You know, this you, you see those social media posts where where it started, where, it, where I'm at now, you know, and you... Yeah. That, that's somebody saying, "Hey, look, I've, I've actually progressed in my work," and yeah, you know, I, I absolutely. absolutely love some of those uh, because it shows that they're actually thinking about the the fact that they're progressing from where they started and you know where they're at now. And I I think a really important message for people to get is that everyone is on their own journey. Everyone's at different stages of the that journey, and as you develop, you're going to go through different phases of that development and your understanding of the craft or understanding of the technical and your technical abilities are going to improve as you go through that journey. And whether you're happy with a photo you took in 2013 or whether the <laughs> 2023 one that you haven't taken yet is going to be your best one, it's really subjective. Absolutely. And it is kind of uh, the photographic journey is is a bit of a it's a bit of a roller coaster. I don't think it oh, should yeah. be a straight. It shouldn't be a straight linear line, you know, of of just constant success. It's that's it's it. a rocky road. You're gonna feel those down moments of like I can't believe I'm shit artist. Oh, why can't I do this? And then you're gonna feel those other high moments where you're like, oh my gosh, look at this photo I just took. You know, I'm so happy with it. So, um, it. but but I do feel like especially if you're a person like me who sometimes does have a bit of self doubt. Um, I, I think it's okay to feel, to, to feel, you know, I mean, I know, I know that we just talked about like validation and whatnot, but sometimes it is nice to get some admiration for the work that you're putting in. And especially Definitely. if you have that self doubt, it's nice to hear some other thoughts where you might think, oh, this photo I took, I just, I don't know. And then you show a few other people and they're like, what are you talking about? That's, that's a great image. I love the composition, the you know, and they'll kind of. And then you start to see it differently. Like, oh, was I being too hard on myself? Maybe this was a pretty cool photo. Mm. So, anyways, yeah, it's it's okay to have a little bit of that that validation. I think it's I think it's healthy. Is it, you know, as 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 um, um, psychologically, us as humans, we we do search for, you know, we want that admiration for the things that we're doing. We we want people to enjoy it as well as Absolutely. us. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the business side of things. You said you basically went straight into uh, photography as a career. How mm -hmm. did that, I guess, shape or how did you shape your business? Was that a gentle evolution that took some time for you to work out or is it something that you started to 
form fairly early on and say, okay, well, these are these are the areas that I'm going to work on in terms of, you know, I'm going to do event photography and that's going to be mm-hmm. X percent of my income, et cetera. How, how much an analysis, I guess, the, did you put into that early on as, versus letting it evolve as you, as you went along? Um, I had my ideas of what I thought I was going to end up doing with mm-hmm. it all. Um, I think we all do. Yeah. That, of course, completely. Sh- yeah, exactly. And then and, and it shifted pretty radically from that initial idea. I always had these kind of dreams or ideas that it would be amazing to be a landscape or scenic photographer. Um, but I also didn't really understand how that could be a career necessarily. Sure, like sure. I thought I basically thought that any landscape photographer was just hired out by Nat Geo and that yeah. was just their yeah. employer. And then that's, that's how to do it. Um, so I, I don't think I really understood the business model, but also when I was thinking about that back in high school, the business model has changed so much over the years anyways. Um, you know, and, and social media is really at the, essentially at the forefront of that. Um, yeah, I definitely wanted to do events and people photography when I was, you know, kind of getting started and I started doing a lot of studio work and kind of realizing that, well, even though this is, this is nice. I, I would like to spend more time outdoors. I just want to mm-hmm. be outdoors and do, you know, shots at the, at the beach and in the forest and of the Milky way. And, um, for me, there was a bit of a turning point. It wasn't, uh, just a smooth, uh, shaping of the business. The turning point was when I got to college and went to school in Santa Barbara for photography. It was for commercial photography. Yep. And um, I started in my personal time just driving up the mountain to do time lapses and scenes of the Milky Way and night sky. And um, that I think is where I kind of started that that side of the career is yeah. through Milky Way and time lapse photography. I was doing a lot of it and starting to get some recognition from some news organizations and blogs that yep. would share um, and feature some of the, some of the work I was putting out this, I think this was 2010, 2011 around that time. And I really, at that moment, when I started getting some work in the outdoor space and in landscape photography and in time-lapse, I immediately pivoted all my attention away from the studio stuff yeah, yeah, into the outdoor stuff. Once I realized that could be a path, I was like, oh, that's the path I, I really want. So that was a huge pivot. And then I would say from there, from like 2010 to 2011, it's been a pretty steady progression of just trying to build the business and try and do different things. And uh, whether it's education or commercial or I don't really sell a lot of prints, but you know, some prints here and there. And I don't like know that. anybody that really does. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do. I do know it a few is. people who are really, really yeah. good at it, but uh, that's a, that's a, uh, especially in the limited uh, print world. That's a crazy, I, I do. Yeah. I don't understand that world. I haven't no, really that one. <laughs> I think you got to kind of tap into the gallery space a bit and that that can also be uh, a bit tough, particularly when most galleries sort of want to take a, a 50% cut. It's a, you kind oh, of yeah. go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
that means yeah. you've got to price the work at such a high level that uh, you can make money, they can make money, and you're still covering all the costs of the the, the print job and everything. Crazy, yeah. yeah. And there's also just there's also just only so much time in the day, right? Absolutely. You know? yeah. I think that that actually is one of the trickier things about being a landscape photographer as a career choice versus some of the other photography I was doing before. If you're a wedding photographer or an event photographer, the path is pretty straightforward as far as yeah. what you should be doing and how to do it. Um, there is a formula that, that works. And as long as you're producing good work, and you're easy to work with with the clients and you're putting your name out there yep. really make it work with landscape photography it's not a very practical way of earning <laughs> a living and it's a strange path and there's a million different directions you can go and absolutely um, especially again bringing it back to social media there's a lot of, a lot of ways of doing it some people go the education route some people go the commercial route mm -hmm. some people sell those fine art high-end prints and some people do YouTube videos and there's, there's just so many options. It's crazy. It's hard to know where to go with it all. Yeah. I, th I think uh, an important lesson for people though, is that uh, wanting to get into that is to diversify and make sure that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket and expecting that's where all your income is going to come from. Because I think certainly the experience I've had is that the income that you're going to get, you know, if you say, all right, well, I'm going to go all in on prints and that doesn't work out, what are you going to do? You're really going to need to have more than one string to your bow to, to, to actually make it work. Absolutely. That's great advice. Um, that's huge. That's, that's huge advice. And we can apply that same thing to social media too. Absolutely. Don't put all your eggs onto one social media basket. And we've Absolutely. seen that now, how, you know, how crazy it is, how much power, uh, essentially these platforms have over yeah. how we can share our work. And so another thing is just having a good website where you can really showcase your yeah, stuff. Having, having your own website anyone. is, uh, I think, absolutely vital. And if you don't have yeah. that, then my advice is get out there and, and go and make one. And whether yeah. you're using one of the platforms like, you know, uh, Wix or Squarespace or any of those, you know, I don't think it matters. Just make sure that you've got one that uh, is your little space that you you own, because the the social media. Make sure you link back to that, of course. But uh, the the social media platforms, yeah. as you say, the power that they have to turn people on and off. Uh, I actually saw a post by somebody this morning uh, who'd just recreated their new account because uh, I think it was about four years or five years worth of work had gone down the toilet because Instagram had switched off the account because reasons. And Jeez. They're, they're having to start. Oh, wow. Yeah. They switched off their account? Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I I don't know Some the backstory I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I haven't got into it, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's insane. Um, but no, I, either way, the, the point of, yeah, just having that, that place where you have full control over your artwork and how it's seen and how people can view it is, is quite important. And, you know, it's not something I don't update my website like every single day or anything like that, but just, yeah. you know, keeping it, keeping it semi up to date and, throwing a few blog posts up that people might enjoy reading. I feel like that's pretty helpful to have. Um, Definitely. Definitely. 
because yeah, we just don't know what's happening with all these social platforms. And really um, the, the problem with social media is none of these companies, they all want everyone to stay on their platform. Mm-hmm. So and they want as soon as you try and link, yeah, with Instagram and Twitter and all these places, they don't, they don't want you anywhere else besides their little platform. And That's that it. becomes a problem. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about workshops. How and why did you get started in doing that? I mean, education is an important income stream for a lot of landscape photographers, <laughs> but not everybody is a good educator. And I guess what made you turn in that direction? Um, well, th- when I first started doing it, it was mainly just because I, I kind of thought it would be fun and because I had a lot of people asking me for advice and just sure. wanting tutorials and wanting wanting to maybe learn in field. And so I thought it would be a really fun and rewarding thing to do because I could share you know, what I know with, with mm. people. And that's essentially why I made the YouTube channel as well is to be able to share, share my journeys, share my thoughts on photography and also give people a little bit of education along the way too. Um, I'm not sure when the first one I did. So it was a while ago, but um, it's, there, it's definitely, it's, it's not easy to teach workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a bit of a tricky, tricky thing. Um, it, you have to, have a certain way of explaining things where people can, you know, fully understand it. Um, yeah. I found that I think I'm an, I, th- I think I'm a pretty good teacher. And I think the reason for that is I'm not very technical. Yeah. So everything I've learned through photography had to be explained to me like I'm a four-year-old. Right. <laughs> um, and it had to be very visual, very like, Ooh, colors and shapes. And, and I had to do everything myself because I just, I couldn't, I'm, I'm just, I'm dyslexic. So I'm not a very good reader. That was always a challenge for me growing up. Uh, I'm just a visual learner and I'm a, and I'm a learn by doing type of person. Um, So when I explain, when I, you know, try and help people with photography and with workshops and things like that, um, I explain it in the same way that I learned it, which I feel like is, is a lot more simple for people than, than maybe some, something that's overly technical or overly, complicated um i just don't have that kind of engineer mindset but maybe some other people would learn better through that engineer mindset than yeah yeah. than me but yeah the whole thing was just the rewarding aspect of teaching people and i found a lot of like really great people to teach with over the years uh i love doing the conferences like like out of the out of chicago conferences um everyone i've taught with at those conferences and the photo pills camps as well i did those uh, everyone I've taught with has been just absolutely incredible. And it's just, it's such an awesome community too. So yeah. I've kept doing it for that aspect too, the yeah. the, coll- the collaboration aspect. And I, I think that's an important part of that education process is that you actually meet a lot of people and whether they're people that you're working with to you know build a, a multi-photographer workshop or whether they're your students or clients or whatever you want to call them. Uh, the fact that you're meeting those people and making connections and, you know, whether they become a repeat client or whether they just follow you on social media, I don't, I don't think matters. But the fact that you're making those connections is a, is a really wonderful part of 
that that education process and certainly it's been one of the most rewarding parts about it uh, from my own experience anyway absolutely um and of course it's nice I and mean, you know when you when you teach a workshop and someone gets a great photo mm. but they're like wow yeah. check this photo out and that's really rewarding right totally. but i think the the most rewarding thing about it is really um you know, when you, when somebody leaves a workshop and you see them applying the techniques and, and, you know, the, the different creative aspects that you kind of helped with and you yep. can see the progression a bit, that, that is so rewarding. Like, I love it when people are sending me images that they, you know, have been processing or taking after a workshop or after seeing a tutorial. Um, it's, yeah, it's just amazing. It's awesome. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's a, a wonderful part of uh, that photography landscape. Uh, you've shot all over the world. What locations are on your list? You you mentioned you creating that uh, those Google Maps. What what's on your list, and what what's what's close to the top? Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, a lot of the places I want to visit are pretty close to home, actually. Okay. I'd like to do more road trips around the, the western part of the U.S. Yep. Um, in During COVID, I pretty much stopped traveling altogether. Mm. I didn't really go anywhere. And then um, in 2021, I also had some personal issues that uh, basically made me take a, a almost a year long hiatus away from traveling and doing photography. Oh. And so 2022 was, this was my year to get out there and, and uh, do more. And I got to see some incredible places. I got to go back to Italy and visit some friends and Fantastic. go to Iceland and see the volcano. And um, after doing, after not doing it for two years, it was incredible. So for yeah. me, like it's hard for me to even think about, doing a bunch more travel because I've just been so excited and happy yeah. with what I've, <laughs> with what I've done this year. Um, but I would say at top of the list, I would really love to visit Patagonia. I keep putting it off. It's a place I wanted to visit now for like six or seven years and I just yeah. haven't gone. Um, and also Norway, Norway was yeah. really high on my list too. The French Alps, the French Alps would be a lot of fun. And then um, around like locally, yeah, I just want to hop in the car and and uh, go to like Glacier National Park and yeah. visit the Teton. I haven't been to the Teton since I think it was uh, 2013. So I'd love to go back there and see how how my eye has changed, you know, how my creative ideas have changed from when I last visited there. That, that's, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Do you think where you live and that local... Uh, or you know the the road trips that you're doing. Do you think that influences how you've developed your style and how you shoot, and also what you shoot, or do you choose locations based on what and how you like to shoot? Um, I would. I'm very much a product of my environment in a sense. Like I, you know, I grew up by the coast. I grew up here in San Diego. Yep. And um, I've always just hung out by the ocean and watched the waves come in. And so naturally in my photography, seascapes became a huge 
part of of what I do as as a career. Um, And yeah, you know, every time I've found something new that I've never really tried to photograph, it's been a bit of like a a shift, right? Like, oh, I haven't really done this much. Like I remember when I first started shooting woodland photography, um, I felt very different discipline to you. These guys, yeah. I like photographing anything. Um, So I don't base any trips off of like what I'm used to or what I know. If someone has an idea of where they want to go and they invite me on a trip, I'm like, let's, let's absolutely do it because I know I'll find something. Right. Um, And, and if it's a new experience that I'm not comfortable with even better, I want to be not comfortable doing the photography. I want things that are challenging that I am uncertain about. Um, because certainly if I go out to the beach and shoot some seascapes, I'm pretty comfortable there. Like I, I know what I need. I have my ways of shooting it, but when you get into those environments of something you've never photographed that is challenging, that's when the true, that's, that's when you, you know, you really got to, uh, put into high gear and, you know, get your create, get your create creative hat on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What's the most memorable experience you've had while taking photos? Well, that's a tough one. So many, <laughs> um, so many memorable experiences. Uh, let's see, I guess I'll try and think of something recently. That'd probably be good. Something recent. Um, the Iceland volcano was a lot of fun, a bucket list experience for me. Um, that, that one was a, a really fun one. That was a, a recent memory that I'm really, really happy with. But what's funny about that trip is I did it with my friend, Andrew Studer, who I've been, you know, photographing with for many years. And he's an awesome, awesome guy. When we did that trip to go do the lava, we weren't even thinking about photographing anything else. It was just about the lava. And then funny enough, my favorite images from that trip ended up being of waterfalls that we did just off on the side. And even though the lava was incredible to see and witness some of those waterfall images I got, um, I was, I was uh, pretty blown away by just the whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, there's a few key moments that stick out to me, like witnessing some pretty, spectacular, uh, natural, you know, weather events, things like that. Like, um, the, of course the Iceland volcano, uh, the volcano in Hawaii was one that has always stuck out in my memories as being just absolutely mind blowing, seeing the Aurora for the first time in Iceland, that was 2016. And I remember being absolutely awestruck. I was, I was, um, I remember when I first saw it, it was this big KP storm started and I was looking up in the sky and then I remember I kept like vocalizing, just saying like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I couldn't stop because it was that amazing. <laughs> so um, yeah. Mo- moments like that. I think, I think things yeah. like that are the best. Yeah. But, but you know, what's funny, even though those are moments where you're experiencing them and they're spectacular and they're life changing, there's also those little moments in photography where you could be sitting down at a little stream, mm. taking pictures of just little, little bits of reflected light on the water. Yep. And you're just taking pictures and listening to the stream, the sounds. Um, you could be like a mile from your house or something. And those, yeah. those memories are definitely special for different reasons. 
but it's, it's hard to it's hard to say what is your you know favorite or most memorable memorable because they're all so different and they're all so memorable right yeah. and i'm hoping to create more uh next year fantastic what about horror stories have yeah. you uh had any real challenging events occur i think that every shoot that i've been on has some sort of problem happen especially the commercial ones that you know, you, you have to do a lot of problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, in photography, horror stories. Honestly, the 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 biggest horror stories I can think of are just kind of what we talked about before. It's the self doubt. Yeah, okay. like you're your own worst enemy. Um, I mean, the the landscape is the landscape. It's yep. been here so many so many years before we were born, and it'll be here many years after we die and it is what it is the landscape it just is it's just our mindset right and it's how we want to treat it it's it's if you go on a trip and you get completely shit weather what are you going to do about it you you know sit and talk about it or (laughs) make something happen so i think that any horror story i can think of it's usually me just being my own worst enemy even when it's a bad situation like you know, I've, I've had the typical, like, I've got my car stuck. I've got my, you know, total blew out the gaskets on my car driving through, uh, driving to death Valley and then had to, you know, cancel the trip and had it towed. And I can think of a million of those stories, but like, I think the bigger horror story is just that self doubt and, you know, not, not fully utilizing the, the, um, situation. Yeah. Fair enough. What have you learned about the world through photography? Hmm. I've never been asked that before. That's good. a really good question. What have I learned about the world through photography? Whilst before photography, I had never left the country. I had never left the United States. And frankly, I barely set foot on a plane. Uh, yeah. My family doesn't really travel much. We never really traveled all that much. And the first time I ever got on a plane, it was like a, it was a job that I was doing after college. And it had been the first time I'd set on a uh set foot on a plane in 10 years. Yeah. And I think that, you know, after visiting so many countries, it's, there's just incredible people everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is so awesome. Like every time I visit a new country, you, you might have an idea of what that place is supposed to be about. And you, you just learn how similar we all are. And, and if there are differences, how those differences end up making you and the people around you more special and the experience is more special, like learning about new cultures. And I know that through landscape photography, we we often don't show that through the photography because it is about the landscape. It's about the natural uh, world. And, you know, I'm not usually documenting a lot of the like just personal experiences I have when with traveling, but um, it's definitely opened up my eyes, you know, to the world and, and how incredible this planet is and the people on it. I know that's a little bit of like a cheesy answer, but uh, that's probably <laughs> I, what I've I learned. And, um, nice. I guess if, if the other, the other thing I'd say, if you want like a less cheesy, like less optimistic uh, answer <laughs> is, you know, just make sure you surround yourself with good people in the photography industry most of the photography industry, I'd say 95% is incredible. Amazing yep. people who care about photography, care about art, but 
you know, with the popularity of social media and with how, how now photography is such a, a big like advertisement tool in a sense. Um, when you're reached out to via email by companies and things like that, just be careful. Yep. Just be careful. Yep. Don't be naive about it. Be picky you know. and choosy about who you work with. Yeah. Yep. Be careful who you work with. Make sure you trust that person. Get second opinions on things, especially when people want to reach out to you about, you know, contracts and this, oh, hey, I have this opportunity for you and that because I've been screwed over a lot. Yep. Um, so just be very, very careful. Again, 95% of people are incredible, but a lot of those people who are doing those cold reach outs, they're the other 5%. That's it. Yeah. So just, you know, just make sure you're getting second for anyone listening. Just make sure you get second opinions on things. Make sure to read through everything that somebody wants to do if they send over a contract or something like that. And yeah, if you are going to go, let's say it's teach or work somewhere or do a big trip, um, just, you know, do your due diligence on it. I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you say is the biggest challenge facing photographers right now? I guess it depends on uh, the biggest challenge for photographers. It really depends on what stage they're at with their photography. So sure. I think that, you know, if you're just getting started, it's the biggest challenge is just experience. You know, you need to just go out there and shoot more and experience more and, and, and in turn, you'll naturally just progress. But mm -hmm. somebody who's been photographing for a while, I think what's the biggest challenge for me. It feels like sometimes just keeping that inspiration going, keeping yeah. creative juices flowing and, making sure to get through those creative burnouts that we all have. That for me is the most challenging. Um, and I, I think for a, a lot of people that have been photographing a decent while, that's probably the, the thing that comes up constantly, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, staying definitely. inspired. Um, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of ways of getting around that, but it's, it's something that just keeps pops up and then, you know, you kind of work on it. How, how do you deal with it? I've done so. I've done a lot of little things. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to just. Oh well, I you know, and, and this might sound counterintuitive, but just taking a break uh, yep. from it for a little while, and and going on hikes and little trips without the camera at all, yep. um, and just like if you were to walk through a forest and not have your camera, and and you just sort of observe the landscape and you observe the textures and the colors and um, they kind of just take a break and, and sort of just see the world for what it is without the lens. And also just, I, you know, taking breaks from social media too, I feel like is pretty helpful. Social media is a big one. Social media can be like, there's a lot of positives for it, but um, psychologically, I think social media can be really yeah unhealthy for somebody who's trying to progress in photography because we're just consuming so much media and seeing so many photographs and it's easy to feel like you're not doing enough, get yep. discouraged on the work you're creating, comparing way too much to others. Um, and sometimes shutting that off for a bit and just, I'm going to go to a place and just enjoy it, whether you have a camera or not, but yep. without the, you know, looking at the phone and seeing, well, what else has somebody done here? And, oh, you know, everyone's at Yosemite right now and I'm not, I'm over here and I'm doing that. It's, you know, yep. just shut it off for a little bit and kind of just appreciate everything. But, and, and then also the, the last thing I'd say um, for, well, two, two more things for inspiration. Uh, 
consuming other forms of art that aren't photography is helpful for me, like watching movies, listening to music, uh, studying, you know, painting and, and other forms of art can sometimes breed a bit of inspiration. And then the last thing, um, is, is what we talked about before, which is creating those projects, creating a new project, um, that you haven't done before, or, you know, finding a new style to work on. Like maybe, you know, somebody hasn't done drone photography. They start flying their drone around for a little bit. Maybe that's a way of, it, that's just one, you know, example, but uh, sure. just trying something new and, 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 you know, trying a new technique or a new subject that somebody hasn't photographed that, that I feel like can be helpful too. Mm. Yeah. If you couldn't be a photographer, what would you be? I'd, I'd do other, I'd, I'd do something else art related. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'd probably, I, I really wanted to be a painter. Okay. Um, before photography, like I wanted to do sketching and painting and drawing and all that stuff. I think that looking back on it and looking at where things are and what career paths are open, I'd probably do, if I wasn't a photographer, I'd do something within, you know, filmmaking or something in like editing or yeah, just as long as I'm doing something art related. Yeah. Something creative. Fantastic. Do you prefer taking photos alone or with other people? I don't think I prefer one or the other. Okay. I need both. Yeah. Um, and I know that's not that I'm like, I'm so on the fence with all these answers. <laughs> I'm like, well, Go yes on. and no. Go on. no. Like a position. Uh, but it is true. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is true though. I definitely like photographing myself alone and having those introspective moments where I can just do my thing. Um, I would say in general, if I'm, actively taking pictures like i'm operating the camera i'm trying to work on my composition i i like to be alone but i like to go on little trips with people but usually when we're at a photo spot we'll go off and do our own things and regroup after the photo shoot especially if i'm trying to film videos too it's a little weird with with, i try and be alone for that i try to be alone for that i i would say in that sense, as long as I'm doing the photography side alone, like the clicking of the camera and the finding the compositions, I, w- I would say I enjoy traveling and going on trips with people more than I do just being alone. Sure. I like chatting with people and hanging out with friends and photography for me is quite a social thing mm. uh, as long as I can do the creative process alone. Mm. Um, but, but I do both, you know, I'll do my own solo trips and just go out for two weeks myself and, um, get get what i want and i would say though like halfway through the trip i if i'm not hanging out or at least visiting friends i usually get a bit bored when i'm alone sure sure yeah. i want to talk a little bit about the vlogging and the youtube side of things how did that sort of come about and where do you see that going for yourself? Obviously, you've been doing it now for a few years, and if anyone listening hasn't seen Michael's channel, go find it. You've probably been living under a rock because it's one of the one, probably one of the more popular uh, vlogging uh, or photography vlogs that are, is out there. But how did how did you get into it, and where do you see it going? What what are you what are you still haven't done? I guess in in that space. Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, thing, the whole YouTube thing. 
Uh, I've gone back and forth between doing it and not doing it. And Mm. um, I finally made the jump to like put more effort into it in 2019 because up until then I was just releasing time-lapse videos and some tutorials on the channel. Um, The reason I started blogging and how I really got into it was um, I was getting sick of the way photography is presented on social media. Mm -hmm. I know that's hypocritical to say since I'm on every platform, (laughs) you know, Um, but I don't, I guess I was just like, I'd take a picture and be really proud of it and write. Yeah. I could write like a long description that I doubt many people are going to read. And especially with something like Instagram, probably being the biggest culprit, I feel like they just swipe right by your photo and don't really give it a second thought and they don't really digest what they're looking at, or at least like, that's what it seems like to me. And I even have people comment saying, whoa, I stopped my swiping to take another look at this. And I'm like, wow, we're in a position where that's a big compliment to say, like, I that's looked right. at your photo for more than two milliseconds. <laughs> I, right? Yeah, I, I looked at this for more than a second. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't know. I guess with with YouTube, I realized that people are sitting there and they're they're more willing to digest the long form content. Mm. And so, and also I'm a terrible writer too. So this is perfect. I can sit there and describe what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and what my thoughts are on photography and what my feelings are on the images I'm taking and kind of in a sense, use that as more self-expression and, and really just share with people what my, what my ideas are behind a lot of these images Sure. Um, and and have them sit there and really look at the photographs that I'm taking. So that that was a huge thing for me, and that's why I started doing it and why I started getting more invested in it. The only downside to YouTube is it is the most time-consuming thing I think I've ever done in my entire life in photography. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's people who are a little quicker at putting these videos together than me, but every single video takes a tremendous amount of time. Mm. Uh, it takes like, you know, the filming part's easy. That part takes like, you well, know, you film you, for a day, say that, two days, I, three days. You, you say that, but I can, I can see that you've obviously hiked up that hill a couple of times just to get that <laughs> B-roll shot of you hiking That's up true. the hill. You do, <laughs> you do twice the amount of walking and That's you it. have so much gear with you when you do that. Um, but what's funny is the filming part of the YouTube thing for me is very easy and yeah. very simple. And, and it takes like a day, the editing part. Um, it takes me a week or two to edit together. These videos yeah. doing the voiceover, adding the music, um, finding the right key moments, building a story. Uh, some Maybe something happens during the shoot and I don't have footage over of it, but I need to somehow weave the story. So I have to find, it's the whole thing takes forever. Um, and usually when I put out the videos, I'm quite proud because of the amount of work that's put in. Mm-hmm. Um, but people do on these, on, on YouTube, expect videos quite frequently. So, you know, you're, you usually won't at least, what I found is the perfect sweet spot for me is releasing a video about every two weeks. Yeah. Um, it's still so much work. Any, I have so much respect for anyone who puts out these YouTube videos, especially guys like Nigel Danson, uh, Thomas Heaton, Gavin yeah, Hardcastle, weekly, weekly videos and they're yeah. long and they're 
really well put together. I think a lot of people watching do not realize the amount of hours that are put into making these. Mm, mm. I don't know how those guys do it. No, I'd go girl. crazy if I did it that every week. I, I would have zero time to do anything else if that was the case. Uh, for me, two weeks is already like a little bit overload, but I'm trying my best because I really enjoy making the videos for sure. Um, as far as what you had asked previously, like where do I see it going? I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep making videos. Uh, if I go on a trip or I go photograph, I try and do a few videos if I have time. Um, and I really don't, I have no idea what I truly want to do with the channel besides just keep doing these vlogs and, um, hopefully people will still keep watching them. Yeah. That's, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. How do you deal with, uh, the criticism that commonly gets put up against, uh, so-called YouTube photographers, you're a YouTuber, not a photographer. Do you get any of that sort of, I, I think it's really rude feedback, but do you, do you get much of that? I, yeah, I know it's, it's absolutely honest. rude feedback. Yeah. I, I, YouTube I know in others. general. Um, I was just saying, I know, I know yeah, I, I've seen people get feedback. that. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that before. Mm. Um, and sorry, there was a little delay on the audio, a little bit of a um, glitch there. Um, I've seen that before. I, I There are certainly people who are YouTubers and who that's their main thing and they happen to take pictures. Um, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. No, that no. might be their whole income and they like to take pictures, but mainly they're producing YouTube videos. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the landscape photography community that I've seen on YouTube, they're landscape photographers first who yeah. happen to make landscape photography videos. Yeah. Um, most people who I, I think I'm lucky because most people who find my channel have already followed me on Facebook or Instagram or somewhere else, or they've looked at my work somewhere else. So they kind of recognize the name yeah, yeah. Um, and so I've never been called a YouTuber and I, I am a YouTuber cause I make videos, but I consider myself a, a landscape photographer who just happens to be putting out YouTube videos. And if you yeah. enjoy the YouTube videos, fantastic. If you don't, that's okay too. Um, it is, it's, I mean, there's, I have gotten a lot of criticism. Uh, sorry, dogs are going crazy outside. Um, I have gotten a lot of criticism on YouTube for um, other things. Like people are very critical on YouTube, whether it's like the audio mixing of a video or, I mean, people unfortunately can be a little mean on YouTube, yep. especially when you're putting yourself out there that much. Like I've had people be like, your voice is annoying. It's like, okay, thanks guy. <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? It's my voice. Like if you don't like it, Move I've on. got a vocoder on all, all of my soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, I've had people be like, you're annoying, you're ugly. It's like, geez. Yeah, um, yeah. It's few and far between, but it's YouTube is, uh, there. there's some nastiness on YouTube. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. Mm -hmm. But overwhelmingly, 
like 90 to 95% of people are really kind on YouTube. It's just that one comment that you get where someone's being really mean and you're like, why are you being so mean? And then that one sticks out in your head and you're like, yeah, it's even funny. though there's a hundred other comments. You might have a hundred comments, but the one that sticks out is always the, the, the that nasty one. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the one. And, and I have this other thing too, where every single time I release a video immediately, three or four people unsubscribe from the channel. Oh, okay. Um, and I always get like a dislike or two on the video right when I release it, like not enough time for someone to actually watch the video. Yeah. I just don't even get it. It's all, it's all a confusing thing to me, but as long as people enjoy the videos and they're really, you know, they love the channel and they love the way I'm, you know, doing things, then I, I don't care. But if somebody wants to hate on it, they can hate on it. Yeah. These videos take me way too long to like, like regardless if somebody says i don't like your video and and it's not great i'm like i really don't care and the reason i don't care is because i'm proud of it because it took me so long like if you don't like it move on to something else i just don't have the time you you do have a choice of not clicking the the play button (laughs) absolutely and it's like then somebody will be like oh this video is awful it's like well i'm sorry i can give you a refund on the free youtube photography tutorial you just watched i'm sorry it wasn't you know uh, pleasurable enough for you like like what what more would you like me to do here um anyways i know i'm, I'm getting a little <laughs> getting a little ranty but it's, no, it's, it's, it's just it's, like it's i i i i've got to say i've had again 99 percent positive feedback on the podcast but i i, mm-hmm. I feel you michael the, the, that it's always that little one that you go <laughs> Always is right. Mm. That one that sticks out in your head. Um, Takes up way too much. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's again, and I know we keep circling back to this and it's something that's brought up a lot. It's social media. I think Mm. Um, it's the anonymity of social media. It's like the, the person who's always calling you out is somebody who they don't have their real name up there. They don't have their real photo up there. They're like just an anonymous person and, you know, I bet you if they were standing right face to face to you and talking to you as a human, as we should be talking to each other, they're not going to say the things, the nasty things that they no, say. Exactly. But it's so much easier when you don't see the other person as a human being. Uh, and that, I think, is the one of the most negative things about social media is, is sometimes people lose sight of the fact that they're talking to other human beings on the other side. Exactly. You know? And I think one of the other things I've noticed is they tend to be people that I won't say, um, you know, they, they've done nothing creative, but, you know, they sort of tend to be people that aren't very creative in terms of when, if you take a look at their profile, you know, they're not, they're not being artistic with their photos. They're not, you know, they're not really getting, uh, I, I guess the attention that they might desire through other means, and so they they go mm. for any kind of attention they can get, you know, whether it's positive. Yeah, or not. that 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 could be projection. Then, yeah, for mm. sure. And and you know what? While we're talking about it, of course, as you as you mentioned, ninety to ninety five percent of the people are saying great things, and um, I don't think we should lose sight of that. Like it's amazing no, that we're able to to connect with others in the way that we are. Um, but also, you know what? It's probably healthy to have a few haters out there. Absolutely. If somebody, if, if, 
if you're doing something interesting or unique or something that's, you know, somebody might, somebody might hate on it. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe that's a good sign that you have one person who doesn't like something. I mean, photography and art is so subjective that you're just never going to get 100% of the people. There's people that don't like the Mona Lisa and will complain about the crooked horizon and all the rest of those sorts of things. (laughs) There's people who watch videos of dogs online being cute and will somehow find a reason to hate on it. It's like, how are you hating on a, on, on a video of a dog, like doing something cute? Like, now you're just finding reasons to project, you know, at that's that it. point. So that's it's it. okay. <laughs> you just got to remember that. It's like, all right, well, I got this one hater that's on here, but you know what? The same person's probably going to dog videos and like giving the thumbs down and saying, blah, 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 this <laughs> dog's annoying. So it's like, whatever, who cares? <laughs> Where do you see the future of photography going? Well, I hope. I hope the future of photography just keeps on the same trajectory it is now. I, well, you know what? No, I shouldn't say that. I hope that people will find more time to appreciate and view photography. Like, mm. I, that's what I hope for in the future. I hope that this whole like instant gratification thing kind of slows down a bit. People learn to really appreciate like sitting there and digesting an image rather than just moving on to thousands of others. Um, I hope that we can take more time, spend more yeah. time on the photographs and spend more time, you know, less, less quantity over quality, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my hope. I don't know if we'll go in that direction. And there's some things that are coming out that are a little on the scary side for me, photography wise. This whole like AI thing is a little yeah. scary for me. It's a little weird. Yeah. Um yeah, to, just seeing what, you know, if you type in a prompt into these websites and you say landscape, photo, mountain, flowers, and then suddenly it's creating like these pretty wild pictures. I mean, there's a lot that technology is crazy and it's hard to predict where this whole thing is going. I hope that true photography and true creativity will always shine through and that people will appreciate um, art for you know the creative side and and yeah. each individual yeah. artist but you know i think i think as long um, as people are honest when they're posting stuff like that this is ai created as opposed to absolutely. his photo i took then you know if somebody's trying to pass off an ai image as a as a genuine photo that they took then i think there's there's definitely some detriment going on there but i th- i think as you said the, the the fact that human creativity is there i think there's a place for ai but i also think there's going to always but i i certainly aren't going to stop going out and taking sh- shots of seascapes or waterfalls or mountains or whatever it is that i decide to take a shot of on the day because yeah. somebody's creating ai art and i'm probably I've, I've had to dabble i've had a look it's interesting and so forth, but I don't, I personally don't find it terribly creative because all you're doing is typing some words and hitting enter and waiting for the computer to spit an image at you. And to me, that's kind of, that, that to me is less creative in my mind than getting out into, into the field, capturing something, taking it home, processing it to the best of your abilities 
and giving people a look at it. That's Absolutely. my opinion anyway. Yeah, it's 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 more just interesting to see how far this technology is going, like how insane it is. Absolutely. Um, I, can, so- I can see a challenge for product photography. So if a, mm. if a marketing manager says, all right, well, I don't need Mr. Photographer, I can just type in, you know, show me a, a shiny Coke can with beads of, you know, moisture on the side, <laughs> lit from the left-hand side, you know, exactly how I want, how I envisage it and I can put in, then I, I can see that probably eating into some people's careers, maybe. We'll have to see how it goes because yeah. it's still pretty early on, and oh, definitely, uh, we'd be na- we'd also be naive to think that these some of these technologies aren't going to start being implemented into cameras themselves. Well, yeah, um, I, I, so I can certainly see that. Yeah, where, it'll where... be very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see the way technology shifts this industry over the years. I mean, if we look even just five to ten years, how much this industry has changed over time, yeah. it's really hard to predict where it's going to go and and how it's going to uh, change. But again, I'm very hopeful and optimistic that you know art and photography will stand the test of time. People will still appreciate you know the create the creative side. But I do I do really hope that. Um, even if it's like a new social, I don't know. I don't know if we need any more new social media platforms, but I kind of miss um, when people were on platforms like Flickr and, mm-hmm. and 500 picks more. I know 500 picks kind of went downhill with some of the thing, some of the choices they made, but yeah, um, yeah. I do miss when, you know, somebody, you could just put out an image every week, like one image that you spent a hell of a lot of time working on and people yep. would really give you thoughtful feedback and things like and that and that again is why i shifted to the youtube side uh because i could get i could do more of that and and really appreciate uh photography so i hope some of that mindset of watching the long form content and you know sitting with the photography and sitting with the art will start to bleed out into other places um instead of just the quick reels and quick swiping that's my hope at least yeah, yeah. I, I I've got a, a similar hope, and uh, yeah, as you say, it'll be interesting to see where it all ends up. Definitely will. <laughs> we'll, have to there any, we'll definitely have to see. Are there any photographers out there that you think I uh, should be talking to on the podcast? Yeah, there are um, too many to mention, but um, let's Just let's see who. Yeah. Uh, my friend Marco Grazi is mm-hmm. awesome. He's incredible. And uh, yeah, I, I teach with him quite a bit and he's just a really awesome guy. So he would be worth talking to for sure. Uh, Alex Noriega, TJ Thorne, yep. a good one. Um, trying to think of who doesn't talk on podcasts a lot. You know, <laughs> someone like a little different. Yeah. Uh, let me think about that. I can give you a few more names. Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll think more. But those those are three just right off the top of my head that I can that I can think of. That that'll do nicely. Thank you. Yeah. I got one more question, and uh, for many of the listeners, it's the most important one that I can ask because it's a problem okay. that uh, we've been trying to get to the bottom of for a long time. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not no i'm not one of i'm not you know what though i'm not if somebody 
if, if that's somebody's thing, I'm not going to knock them for it at all. Um, you know what? It's like photography. Pizza is subjective. Not everyone's going to appreciate the same pizza. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I try and treat it in the same way that I would art and photography. Making pizza is art. Uh, so if someone wants pineapple on their pizza, I'm not going to knock it. But if they're going to offer it to me, I'm going to, I'm going to either pull those, those, uh, those, I'm going to, did I say peanut butter before? Uh, I feel like I've been said, so spacey today. Um, <laughs> okay, I was thinking of it in my head. Did I say peanut butter? And then I was like, "What if? What if you put peanut butter on pizza?" <laughs> See, now that's that's a yeah, polar. That's, that's a that's a hot take. Right <laughs> you know, we're talking about pineapple on pizza, but then I'm like, "Well, what about peanut butter?" There's your a hot take right there. Michael Shamblum, he wants he wants peanut butter on his pizza. Uh, Fantastic. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. Whatever anyone wants to do, I'm gonna stick with the regular pizza without the pineapple and maybe you know what if somebody if somebody wants to do that they can i can have a little fruit salad on the side that has some pineapple i'm okay with that okay mixing some different meals together you know cool all right well thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today michael it's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit better and uh learn a bit more about uh what you do and why you do it where can people find your work yeah yeah. Thanks so much, Grant. Uh, I, again, I, I really appreciate you inviting me on. It's awesome. And uh, great questions too. Like there was a lot of questions that I had to take a, a few minutes. I had to take a few seconds and be like, I've never been asked that before. Thank you. Um, well, I'm so, try, trying to do something a little bit different to everyone else. You know? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Um, where can people find me? Oh, I don't know. Just, just you know on all the, on the places where people seem to share things yeah, I, yeah you know i guess like if, if, you'll find it <laughs> yeah i'd say i'd say if if i was to like you know where i i think people would want to see the work maybe um youtube would be good sure. uh, my name into youtube you'll find some fun videos that i've put a lot of work into and then uh also i i have some uh stuff on my website too so they can they can type my name into Google and, and my website should be the first thing that pops up. But of course, if you're on any of the other social platforms uh, besides TikTok, I am as well. But honestly, by the time this comes out, maybe I'll have a TikTok dance video at that point. So we'll see. Awesome. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. <laughs> that's, that's the content. That's the I don't content. know. I don't know how TikTok works. People, people keep telling me to join. Uh, <laughs> I, I I haven't touched it, and I probably never will. <laughs> you do like a little dance, and then uh, <laughs> then you're like this camera or that. Ca I don't know how it works. I'm not really <laughs> sure. I th I thought it was all dancing, and then people are like, "You should share your photography on there." I'm like, "Wait, what? I thought it was like people lip syncing. What am I going to do photography? I don't know." Ugh, how are you going to do a tutorial in 15 seconds? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't, I can't, it's hard to make my tutorials less than like 20 minutes. I don't know how I boil it down to 15 seconds. But here's a 15 second photography tutorial. Here's a camera. Go take a picture. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Well, there you go. You've written it. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I just have to go film it now. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. 
but not TikTok. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm-hmm.